stop paying those high retail prices for other optics that underperform. At Track Optics, we're passionate about creating the best optics for hunting and long-range precision shooting. We know that having the right equipment can make all the difference in your experience. That's why we use the highest quality materials and the latest technology to produce optics that are durable, reliable, and perform exceptionally well in any environment. For more information, visit trackedoptics.com. Again, that's trackedoptics.com. Upgrade today with Tracked Optics. Jungle Tales of Tarzan by Edgar Rice Burroughs. Chapter 9 The Nightmare. The blacks of the village of Mobogo, Boga, the chief, were feasting, while above them in a large tree sat Tarzan, the apes, grim, terrible, empty, and envious. Hunting approved poor that day, for there are lean days as well as fat ones for even the greatest of jungle hunters. Oftentimes Tarzan went hungry for more than the full sun. He had passed through entire moons during which he had been but barely able to starve off starvation, for, but such times were infrequent. There once had been a period of sickness among the grass-eaters, which had left the plains almost bare of game for several years. Again, the great cats had increased so rapidly and so around the country, country that their prey, which also was also Tarzan's, had been frightened off for a considerable time. But for the most part, Tarzan had fed well, always. Today, though, he'd gone empty, one misfortune following another, rapidly raised new quarry. So now he sat perched on a new, in, a tr- in the tree by the feasting blacks. He experienced all the pangs of famine. His hatred for his long, long, lifelong enemies waxed strong in his breast. Eternalizing indeed to sit there hungry while those Gomari filled themselves so full of food their stomachs seemed almost upon the point of bursting with elephant steaks at that. It was true that Tarzan and Tenor were the best of friends and that Tarzan never had tasted of the flesh of the elephant but Gomari eventually had slain one they were eating of the flesh of their kill. Tarzan was assailed by no doubts of the, the ethics of his doing likewise, should he have the opportunity. Had he known that the elephant had died of sickness several days before the blacks discovered the carcass, he might have not been so keen to partake of the feast. For Tarzan of the Apes was no carrion eater. Hunger, however, a blunt, most echoing taste. Tarzan was not exactly an equine. What he was at the moment was a very hungry wild beast, whom caution was holding in leash. The great cooking pot in the centre of the village was surrounded by black warriors, though through whom not even Tarzan of the apes might hope to pass unharmed. It would be necessary, therefore, for the watcher to remain there hungry until the blacks had gorged themselves to stupor, and then they left any scrapes to make the best meal he could from such. But to the impatient Tarzan, it seemed that the greedy Gomari would rather burst than leave the feast before the last morsel had been devoured. The time they broke the monotony of eating by executing portions of hunting, of hunting dance, a manoeuvre which significantly simulated digestion, had meant them to fall in once more with a renewed vigour, but with a consumption of appalling quantities of elephant's meat and native beer, they presently came too loggy for physical exertion. Of any sort, some reaching a stage 
where they no longer could rise on the ground. But they conveniently close to the great cooking pot, stuffing themselves into unconsciousness. It's well past midnight before Tarzan even began to see the end of the orgy. The blacks now falling asleep rapidly. A few still persisted, but before their consideration, their condition. Tarzan had no doubt that he could easily that he easily could enter the village and snatch a handful of meat from before their noses. But a handful was not what he wanted. Having less than a stomachful, with a life that allayed his gnawing craving of the great, great emptiness, he must therefore have an ample time to forage in peace. A large but single warrior made true to his ideals, an old fellow, whose once wrinkled belly was now as smooth and as tight as a hide of a drum. The evidence of great discomfort and even pain, he crawled towards the pot and dragged himself slowly to his knees, in which position he was reaching a very acceptable seize a piece of meat. He rolled over on his back with a loud groan, lying there while he slowly forced the food between his teeth and down into his gorged stomach. It is evident to Tarzan that the old fellow would die until he eat until he died, or until he was no longer meat. The man shook his head in disgust. What foul creatures were these Gomari? Yet of all the jungle folk that they alone resembled Tarzan closely informed. Tarzan was a man. They too must have been some manner of a man. Just as the little monkeys, the great apes, the Bulgari, the gorilla, were quite evidently of one great family. Through differently in size, appearance and customs, Tarzan was shamed. All the beasts of the jungle men. Man was the most disgusting. Man, Dongo, Hyena. Only man and Dango ate until he swelled up like a dead rat. Tarzan has see, seen Dango eat his way into carcass of dead elephant and continued to eat it so much that he had been unable to get out the hole for which he had entered. Now he could readily believe that the man gave opportunity would do the same. Man, too, was the most unlikely of creatures with his skinny legs and his big stomach, his foul teeth, his thick red lips. Man was disgusting. Tarzan's gaze was riveted through the hideous old warriors wallowing in filth before him. There, a thing was struggling to its knees to reach for another morsel of flesh. It groaned aloud in pain. It persisted in eating, but eating, ever eating, Tarzan could endure it no longer. Neither, neither his hunger nor his disgust suddenly slipped around a hole with a bowl of the great tree between him and the feaster. Man was still kneeling, bent over almost double in agony for the cooking pot. His back was turned towards the plate man, but if he noticed the Tarzan approached him. With those sound of still fingers close about the black throat, the man chuckled short. But the man was old and already half supervised with effects of goring and beer, gorging and beer. Tarzan dropped the insert mass and scooped several large pieces of meat for the cooking pot. Enough to satisfy even his great hunger, and he raised the body of the feaster and shoved it into the vessel. When the other blacks awoke, they was they would have have, have something to think about. Tarzan grinned, and he turned towards the tree with his meat, picked up a vessel containing beer, raised his lips, but at first taste, he backed the stuff out from his mouth and tossed the primitive tanker to the side. He was quite sure that even Dango would draw the line at such filthy tasting drink as that. His contempt for the man. Increased with a conviction. Tarzan swung off in the jungle some half mile 
so before he pulls the partake of his done food. He notices a gaze forth a strange and pleasant odour, assumed it was due to the fact it stood in the vessel of water above the fire. Tyson was, of course, unaccustomed to cooked meat food. He did not like it. He was very hungry, and he needed a considerable portion for his hole, for he was really born, and it turned upon him that stuff was all sated. He acquired far less than he had imagined it would to satisfy his appetite. Throwing the balance of the round, he curled up to a convenient couch and sought slumber. The slumber seemed difficult to woo. Only Tarzan apes to sleep as quickly as a dog as it curls itself upon a hilly front, far blazing, roaring blaze. Night is squirmed and twisted for a pit of his stomach, a peculiar feeling that assembled. Nothing more closely, an attempt upon a part of the fragments of elephant meat, responding there to come out a night in search for their elephant. Tarzan adamant. He gritted his teeth and held them back. He is not to be robbed of his meat after waiting so long to attain it. He succeeded in dozing when the roaring of his lion woke him. He sat up and discovered it was bald laylon. Tarzan rubbed his eyes. Could he be that he really slept? He did not feel particularly refreshed, as he should have. After good sleep, the noise attracted his attention. He looked down to see a lion standing in front of the tree, gazing hungrily at him. Tarzan made a face to King of the Beasts. Whereat Nimba, greatly to the ape man's surprise, started to climb up onto the branches towards him. Now, never before had Tarzan seen a climb. lion climb a tree, yet, for some accountable reason, he is not greatly surprised that this particular lion could do so. lion climbed slowly towards him. Tarzan sought higher branches, but she again. He discovered he was, was with the most difficulty he could climb at all. Again and again he slipped back, losing all he had gained while the lion kept steadily at his climbing, coming even closer and closer to the ape-man. Tarzan could see the slight, see the hungry light, the yellow-green eyes. You could see the server, the drooping jaws, great fangs, the gapes of size, and destroy him, calling desperately the ape man. At last succeeded in gaining an up a little place with Stuart. He reached the more splendid branches far aloft, where he knew well knew no lion could follow. Yet on on, on came the devil faced number. Incredible, it's true. Yet the most amazed Tarzan was Although he realised the incredibility of it all, all he at the same time accepted it was a matter of course. First, that lion should climb at all. The second, he should have entered the upper terraces, where even Sheeta the panther dared not venture. At the very top of the tall tree, the ape man clawed his awkward way, and after him came number the lion, bumbling dismissively, dismally. At last, Tarzan stood balanced upon the very utmost pinnacle of the swaying branch. High above the forest, he could no go no further. Below him, the lion became steadily upward. Came steadily upward. Tarzan the apes realised at last the end had come. He could not battle upon them, tiny branch of number the lion. Betty, with such a number, with such swaying, which rich blame branches, 200 feet above the ground, provided substantial footing, the ground itself. Nearer and nearer came the lion. Another moment he could reach up 
With one great paw and dragged the hitman downward to those awful, jaw, awful jaws. Whirring noise above his head caused Tarzan to glance apprehensively upward. A great bird was circling close above him. He never seen such a large bird in all his life. But he actually recognised it immediately, for he has not seen it hundreds of times. One of the books in the little cabin on the landlocked bay, a most grown cabin with its contents, was the sole heritage left by his dead and unknown father of the young Lord Greystoke. In the picture book, the great bird was shown flying above the ground, with small children, child in talons, while beneath, ejected mother stood with uplifted hands. Lion was already screeching forth, telling prize to seize him. The bird swooped and buried no less formidable, formidable tyrants in Tarzan's back. Pain was numbing, but it was, it was a sense of relief. It was a sense of relief that the ape man felt himself snatch, clutch his limber. A great whirling of wings as the bird rose rapidly upon the forest, lay far below. They turned a sick and dizzy look upon, down upon it from so, so great a height. Closed his eyes tight and held his breath. High and higher cut of his bird. Tarzan opened his eyes. The jungle was so far away. Could he could see only dim green blur before below him. And above the quite close was the sun. Tarzan reached out his hands and warmed them. But they were very cold. Then a sudden menace seized him. Where was the bird taking him? Was he to submit thus presently to a feathered creature? Ever enormous, was he, Tarzan Apes, mightily defend fighter, dying that struck a blow, so defence never. He snatched a hunting blade from, it, from his bleak g-string and thrusting thrust upward. Jab it once, twice, thrice, into the beast below above him. The mighty wings fluttered, few more times spasmodically, talons relaxed their hold. Tarzan Apes, Flew hurtling downward toward the distant jungle. It seemed that the ape man, he fell for many minutes before he crashed through the beneath venture. The treetops, smaller branches broke his fall, so he came to rest for an instant upon the very branch upon which he had sought slumber previous night. For an instant he toppled there, a frantic attempt to regain his equilibrium. At last he rolled it off, yet crouching wildly, seizing, grasping the branch and hanging on. Once more he opened his eyes, which he had closed all, during the fall. Again it was night, with all his old agility clambering back to the crouch from which he had toppled. Below him a lion roared and looked, looking down with Tarzan, could see the yellow-green eyes shining in the moonlight as they bored hungrily upward through the darkness of the jungle night towards him. The eight men gasped for breath. Cold sweat stood out from every pore. There was a great sickness of pit was Tarzan's stomach. Tarzan Apes had dreamed his first dream. For a long time he was sat watching for Nimba and climbing a tree after him, listening for the sound of great wings from above. But no, for to Tarzan, of the Apes, his dream was a reality. He did not believe that he had seen, which he had seen, yet he had seen even these incredible things, could not disbelieve the evidence of his own perceptions. Never in all his life had Tarzan's senses Received him badly, so naturally he had great faith in him. Each perception which ever had been transmitted to Joseph's brain had been, without very verily accuracy, a true perception. He could not conceive the possibility, apparently, of having passed through such a weird adventure in which there was no gain of truth. 
The stomach disordered by decayed elephant flesh, as sleep could have been so truly betrayed. All the clear-cut details of what he had seen his experience was quite beyond his knowledge. Yet he knew that number could not climb a tree. He knew that they existed in a jungle. No more such bird seen. He knew too that he could not have fallen a tiny fraction of the distance held downwards and lived. To say the least, he was a very, very puzzled Tarzan. He tried to compose himself once more for slumber, a very puzzled, very nauseated Tarzan. As though, as he thought deeply upon the strange occurrences of the night, he witnessed another remarkable happening. It is indeed quite preposterous, yet he saw it all with his own eyes. It was nothing less than a hushed The snake weaving his cinemas, flying away up the bowl of the tree towards him. Hissed him the head of an old man to Arthur, shoved in the cooking pot. The head of round, tight black. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Stomach as the old man's frightful face, upturned eyes, sat glassy, came close to Tarzan, jaws opened to seize him. The ape man struck furiously at a hideous face as he struck with preparation, disappeared. Tarzan sat straight up upon his branch, trembling in every limb, wide eyed and panting. He looked all around him with keen jungle trained eyes, saw so knelt with the old man with a fuddy of down. The snake, but his naked thigh, the ape man saw a caterpillar drop from a branch above him. A grimace, he flipped it off in the darkness beneath, into the darkness beneath. And so the night wore on, dream following dream, nightmare following nightmare. The attracted ape man, scared, like a frightened deer, as a rustling of the wind of the trees about him as lit, lit, leaped. His feet began to clean laughter, high in their burst, standing upon a wintry jungle silence. At last, the tardy morning broke, and sick of feverish Tarzan wound. When sluggishly through the drunk, dank, and gloomy mazes of forest in search of water, his old belly seemed of a fire. A great sickness surged upon his throat. He saw a tangible of a most incredible thicket, and like the wild beast, he was, he crawled in the light down, die alone, unseen, safe in the attacks of predatory convoria. But he did not die. For a long time he wanted to, but presently nature, an outraged stomach, relieved themselves for their own, in their own therapeutic manner. The eight men broke into violent perspiration and fell into a normal, untroubled sleep, which persisted well into the afternoon. But when he woke, he found himself weak, but no longer sick. One more, more he sought water. After drinking deeply, took his way slowly, 
or the cabin by the sea, in times of loneliness and trouble, being the only being his custom to seek where the quiet there quiet and restfulness which he could find nowhere else. As he approached the cabin, it raised the crude latch, which his father had fashioned so many years before. Two small bloodshot eyes watched him from a Cassidian foliage, the jungle close by, from beneath shaggy bleating, beating boughs, they glanced maliciously upon him, maliciously, and he moved King Crossy, then Tarzan, entered the cabin, closed the door after him. Here was all the world shut from him. He could dream about a fear of interruption, could curl up and look at the pictures, strange things of books, could puzzle out the printed word he had learned to read, and knowledge of the spoken language it represented. He could live a wonderful world in which he had no worldage beyond the covers of blooded books. Nimba and Simba might prowl about the coast of him, and elements might rage in all their fury, and here at least Tarzan. Might be entirely off his guard in delightful relaxation, which gave him all his facilities for the interrupted pursuit of his greatest all pleasures. Today he turned the pictures, the huge bird, to the huge bird which bore off the little tenjari in his talons. So the plucked his brows at the examined print. Yes, that was the very bird that carried him off the day before. The Tarzan had dreamed been so great a rarity. He still thought another day and night would pass since he lay down the tree to sleep. But more he thought upon the matter, and less possibly was of the variety, the seeming adventure through which he had passed. Yet where the real one ceased and the unreal commenced, he was quite unable to determine. Had he really been to avenge the blacks at all? Had he killed the old Gomari? Had he eaten on the elephant meat? Had he been sick? The Tarzan scratched his coat, trousered, trousered black hair, and wondered. It was very strange, but yet he knew. He never seen Nimba climb a tree, hatch from the head and belly of an old man, black man, who Tarzan already had slain. Finally, with sigh, gave up trying to fathom the unfathomable. In his hearts and hearts, he knew that something had come to his to life. He never thought his spirits in another life resisted when he slept, and the consciousness of which he carried over into his waking hours. Then he commenced to wonder if, he, if some of these strange creatures which he met in his sleep might not slay him, but such times Tarzan and apes seemed to be difficult. Tarzan and luggage, helpless and timid, nothing to flee, wishing to flee his enemies to fled Bara. The dear, most fearful creatures. This, that was a dream, came the first faint tinge of knowledge of fear, a knowledge which Tarzan Wake had never experienced, and perhaps he was experiencing what was his early forebears passed through and transmitted for prosperity in the form of superstitious first religion later, for they, as Tarzan, had seen things at night which they may, could not explain by daylight standards or sense perception, perception of reason, so he built for himself a weird explanation, which included grotesque shapes possession, possessed by strange uncanny powers. Suddenly, finally came to attribute all these inexplicable phenomena 
a nature which every occurrence filled them with awe and wonder or even terror. Tarzan concentrated his mind and little bugs upon the printed page above him, the collective collection of strange adventures, seemingly merged in texts of which he wrote, which uh, the reading, the story of a girlie, the grill and captivity, and more or less lifelike illustration of Gorori, Gala, a cage of Ramamark, with many remarkable look, looking into Mari, standing against the rail and peering curiously at the British sun approach. Tarzan wondered how not a little, as he always did, at the odd and seemingly useless array cut of plumage which covered the bodies of Tuari, he had always caused him to grin a trifle. He looked at those strange creatures, he wondered. They had so loved their bodies from shame, their headliness of awe, they thought the odd things they, they wore added any of the beauty of their appearance, particularly with particularity, particularity. Was, was Tarzan amused by the grotesque headdresses? Pictured people, you wonder how many of the she's in balancing their ears in that right position came as near as laughing aloud as they ever had and contentmented. I think a little, little rounding upon the heads of the hen of ease. So did eight men picked out the meaning of the various combinations of letters on the printed page. As he read the little bugs as much as he always brought to letters, commenced run almost the most confusing manner, blurring his vision, by following his thoughts. Twice he blushed, then back of his hand, smartly across his eyes. Only for a moment could he bring the bugs back to coherent and intelligible form. He had slept ill that night, for now he exhausted from loss of sleep, for sickness, of a slight fever heads, so it became more and more difficult to fix his attention, even keep his eyes open. Tarzan realised he's falling asleep, just a realisation was born to, uh, upon him. He declined to relinquish himself in declination, but soon almost a proportion of physical pain. He vowed by opening the cabin door, turning quickly towards the interpretation of Tarzan, who was amused by this moment, see so his bulking large, a doorway with a huge and hairy form, but Gori, the gorilla, there was scarcely a dizzy in the great jungle which Tarzan could, would not rather not been coped up inside the small cabin than Bagori the gorilla. Yet he felt no fear, even though he saw his quick eyes. He noticed that Bagori was on the thrones, what that jungle man has succeeded as many of the fiercer beat males. All the huge gorillas avoid conflict, hide themselves, however, Jungle folk, they are generally the best of neighbours. But when they attack, on their mind they seize them. There are no jungle deserts so bold or fierce as we deliberately dig a curl over them. But for Tarzan, there was no escape. Gory's glowing at him, red-trimmed, red-rimmed, wicked eyes. In a moment, he rushed in and seized the ape-man. Tarzan reached his hunting knife, where he had laid it on the table beside him. But his fingers did not immediately locate the weapon. He turned and quick glanced to search for it. As he did so, his eyes fell upon the book he had been looking at while he lay open. At a picture of Bulgari, Tarzan found his knife. But he merely fingered it idly, grinned in the direction 
advanced to Grilla. Not again will he be fooled by empty things which came while he slept in the moment. No doubt, my grand returned to Pemper, a rat, and the head of Tumba, the elephant. Tyler has seen enough of such strange happenings. Recently, to have some idea as what he might expect. But this time, Bagari did not alter his form. He slowly came slowly towards the young ape man. Tars was a bit puzzled too. He felt the desire to rush frankly to some place of safety, as he seen been the sensation was copious in the other with new and remarkable ventures. He was just himself now, ready to fight, necessary, but still sure that no flesh and blood gorilla stood before him. Thinking that we'd fading away into thin air by now, or Tarzan had changed into something else, yet he did not. Instead, he loomed clear up and realized the recovery himself, and this dark cloak, coat disgusting with life and health in a bar of sunlight, which shot across the cabin through the high window behind young great young Lord Greystoke. It's quite the most realistic of his sleep adventures, for Tarzan, perhaps he waited the next amusing incident. And then the gorilla charged with two mighty colored hands, seized upon eight men, great fangs of bed close to his face, hideous growl burst, the covered throat and hot breath fanned Tarzan's cheek. And still he sat grinning in the preparation. Tarzan might be fooled once or twice, but not so many times in succession. He knew that his burglary was no real burglary, for he had been if he had been, he never could have gained interest in the cabin, since only Tarzan knew how to operate the latch. For the grinner seemed puzzled by his strange passivity. The ape that held his ape, he pulled an instant with his jaws snarling close to the barber's throat. He seemed suddenly to come into some decision, wearing the ape man across the Sahiri shoulder, as easy as you and I could might lift a babe in arms. Where he turned and dashed out to open, raising towards the great trees. Now Tarzan was, now indeed was Tarzan sure that this was a fleet venture. He grinned largely the great giant, and the giant gorilla bore him, and resisting, always presently his reason, Tarzan. He'd awaken and find himself back in the cabin. He fallen asleep, glanced back at the fault. He saw the cabin door standing wide open. This would never do. Always had been careful to close and latch it against wild intruders, Manu the monkey, which was would make it sad habit that they among Tarzan treasures could he should he have access to the interior even a few minutes question which arose in Tarzan's mind battling one where did sleep venture where did sleep ventures end where had to commence how was he to be sure the cabin door was not really open everything about him was repeated quite normal but none of the grotesque exaggerations of his former sleep ventures it would be better to be better than be upon the safe side and make sure the cabin door was closed. It would do no harm, even if all it seemed to be happening was not happening at all. Tarzan essayed to slip from Bagari's shoulder. The great beast only growled anonymously. It gripped him tighter. With mighty effort, the ape man wrenched himself loose. As he slid to the ground, dreading Grilla, Turned ferociously upon him, seized him once more, and buried great fangs in his sleek brown shoulder. A grin of derision faded from Tarzan's lips as a pain of hot blood roused his fighting instincts. Awake or asleep or awake, this thing was no longer a joke. 
biting, tearing, tsunami, two rolled over over upon the ground. Grillanil was frantic with insane rage. Again, again, he loosens his hold on the ape man's shoulder in attempt to seize the dreadler. The Tarzanites have fought before with creatures who struck first vital vein. Each time he wiggled out there went in harm's way, he strove to get his fingers upon his adversary's throat. At last it succeeded. Great muscles tense and knotted beneath his smooth hide. He forced every ounce of his mighty strength to push the hairy old soul from him. As he choked Bulgarian strained him away. His other hand crept slowly upward between them until the point of the hunting knife rested over his savage heart. This was a quick moment, a steel through wrist, a blade plunged to its goal. Bargoid the gorilla voiced single frightful shriek, tore himself loose. The grass of eight men rose to his feet, staggered a few steps and then turned, then plunged to earth. With a few stomachic movements of the late limbs and brute was still. So the ape stood looking down upon his kill. He stood there, he ran his fingers through his thick black shock of hair. Presently he stopped and touched the red body. Some of the red blood, life blood of the gorilla crimsoned his fingers. He raised into his nose and sniffed. And he shook his head and turned towards the cabin. The door was still open. He closed it and fastened that latch. Returning towards the body of his kill, he began again paused and scratched his head. It was a sleep venture. What then was what reality? How much he so how was he to know the one from the other? How much of all that happened in his life being real and how much unreal? He faced the foot upon the prostrate form, and raising his face to the heavens gave voice the kill cry of the boy ape. Far in the distance the lion answered, It's a very real and yet he did not know. Puzzled he turned away into the jungle. No, he did not know that, that what was real and what was not. But there was one thing that he did know. Never again would he eat of the flesh of Tendor, the elephant.